0: So I need, I got a homework assignment for somebody really quick in the room, because I'm going to use this in my illustration or my teaching this morning. Uh, let's see here, uh, let's, who do I want to pick, who do I want to pick? Clay, I need you to get me a quick head count of everybody that's currently in this room, okay? And then you can just kind of wave at me in a second and give me that number. Yeah, yeah, take off your socks and shoes if you need to, all right? Awesome. So we're going to wrap up this teaching series that we've been in for this, uh, for this uh, four weeks called Mine, and it's this idea of how generosity has to evolve in your life. There is a word that you never had to be taught, and that word is mine, right? Like, no, you learn that one pretty easily, In mine, the first time somebody tried to take your toy, when you were a little bitty boy, a little bitty girl, somebody tried to, sometimes as adults, when somebody tries to take your stuff, you say, mine, right? My time, my money, my stuff, right? Mine. And man, it is such a difficult job as a pastor to get people to open their hands up, to pry those fingers up for you to have a, what we call a whole life type of generosity. And what we've been talking about over the past several weeks is the idea of whole life generosity can be represented by these three words right here. How you share your life, how you invest your resources, and how you serve your church. Like, these are simple marks of a person who follows Jesus. And today, I'm going to wrap up by talking about these things in the context of family. I'm going to make some, maybe some strange statements today, and uh, you might agree or disagree. You're probably going to want to talk about them to somebody. Here's my first one. Um, and I have very limited notes today. Today, I'm talking to you right from the heart. We're headed into summer, and this is kind of Pastor Matt just giving you kind of a family meeting. You guys ever have family meetings? Clay, what's the number? 115. 115. Okay. Now, I need somebody that has better math than Clay. What's a third of 115? What's that, Jake? 40, 40, great. Okay, so 40. I'll remember that number. Anybody in your home ever do a family meeting? Ever have those? We have family meetings sometimes in the Miller household. Uh, Usually they're not revolved around trouble, right? Uh, Those are called family beatings. But family meetings are, are typically around, um, uh, hey, we're about to do something, and I need to get everybody on the same page. And so me and Jen will sit down with our three kids. They're nine twin girls and the seven-year-old son. And we're like, hey, this is what's going on. What are your questions? This is what we're trying to accomplish. And it could just be simply, hey, we're going to get your two bedrooms clean. Right? It could be a short family meeting, or it could be something much bigger than that. I want to talk to us as we go into summer of uh, what it looks like. And so here's kind of my first statement that, that I'm curious on how you might receive this. It's a question, actually. Is, uh, I know some of you are visiting today. I see a lot of first-time guests, so welcome to New City Church. Hope you enjoy the day. Uh, but for those of you who are, are here a lot more that don't answer out loud, but do you consider this church to be your family, your, your church family, right? Do you consider New City to be your church family? There's two answers. There's yes and no. Maybe, kind of, and sort of, and sometimes those don't count, right? Because if you think about your own family, and if you said, hey, guys, are you part of this family? And they're like, well, kind of. No, you're not, right? <laughs> and so those are not uh, answers that, that work. So, it's, so I'm going to ask it again. Like in your head, like do you see this place as your church family? And if you think yes then I want to maybe refill the vision of what it means to be a part of this church family. And if you said probably not or no, I'm going to invite you this morning to be a part of our church family. So here's my second statement. How many of you guys are busy? The last thing you need is something to go to. Whether like I don't know what made you walk in the room this morning. Uh, the last thing that you need in your life is one more thing to go to. You don't need church service. You don't need motivation by an okay pastor. You don't need that. What you need is a church family. What you need is to be a part of something, not go to something. Please don't invite me to go to anything. My cup runneth over with going to stuff, right? Right? But if you want me to be a part of something, man, that's a conversation that we can get behind that I will have. I'm not inviting anybody in this room to simply come to church at New City. I'm not invite- If that's what you're looking for, if you're just looking for a place to show up, man, I'm telling you, there are so many churches in town that might really love to have you there. This is not one of them. I'm inviting us to be a part of a family where we can have a family meeting. And so this morning, for this family meeting, I'm going to assume that everybody said yes, and so I imagine all of your heads with halos above them, right? It's like this picture right here, right? That's what I see this morning. I see little smiley faces with halos because absolutely, Matt, I totally want to be a part of this family that we call New City Church. And so that's the way that I'm going to tackle that. Here's the deal. Um, Jesus has 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 something for you. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been in church. There, there is something that the Lord is wanting to lead you through. It could be a relationship issue. It could be success. It could be a number of things. But there is a discipling opportunity in your life. I promise you. I have a friend that says it like this, that you're either going into a storm or you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. Like we're in one of those three things. Going to church will not help you in a storm. It might motivate you. It might give you a little pepping your step like a little bit of a Red Bull, right? But being a part of a family will sustain you through things. I'm inviting many of you this morning to consider strongly making New City a part of your family, all right? That's that's where I want to lead us this morning. Here's the deal. I don't know how to help you press on in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know how to help you press on in your relationship with your spouse. I don't know how to help you press on in different types of crisis that you're going through if you're not family. I don't know know how to press on with people that I see every once in a while or people who are just kind of casually here and there. But man, if you're family... That makes it a lot easier. Paul says it like this. I want to do I would do want to give you uh, two portions of scripture this morning. First one's found in Philippians three, and it's found uh, there in your insert, it's on the screens. You have it in your Bible, it's in the cloud. You have zero excuse to not read God's word. It is everywhere that you want to be. All right, here we go. <laughs> Paul says it like this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, like we haven't arrived, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. God called you into a relationship because of where you're going, not where you are. Like he has called you, invited you into his family. He's invited you to a relationship with himself. Some of you have accepted that relationship. Some of you have denied it. Some of you have been steadfast or like pushing back on it. But he calls you into that, not for where you are or what you've done, but where he is taking you. Just first possess me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We are making progress as a church family. We are making progress as a group of people together. And some of you are missing out on the benefits of being a part of the family because you simply just go to church. You don't need to go to church. You need to be a part of a family. You need to be part of a church family that you can walk with, that you can celebrate with, that you can cry with. Like, for example, I'll give give you a simple first step. Maybe This is maybe the weirdest, I don't know, I'm just going to tell you. Tonight at 5.30, me and my family, my rowdy crew of five, we're going to be at Rhythm and Boo's across the street. Which way are we? This way, right? It's by, across the street from Waffle House and Seng Seng, Chinese restaurant. Scares me. Okay, that place, across the street, Rhythm and Boo's. Sunday night, Sunday night, 75 cent wings, half price nachos. We ate there last Sunday. Place was empty at 5.30. I'm like, I'm going to fill this sucker up. Me and Jen said, "Hey, you know, we're going to have an open table. It's P Y O T. Pay your own tab. I ain't buying your dinner, right? Right? If you want to drink beer, drink beer. I don't care. I just want. We're going to. There's board games. There's air hockey. I ain't giving you quarters. Right? You bring your own quarters. You're going to play stuff. But we're, the Miller family is going to be there, and we're going to have dinner there tonight at five thirty. If you want to come and share life with us, you can do that. You're welcome. You don't. You don't have to. Right." But, like, there's, like, I didn't plant this church eight years ago, seven, whatever, however long it's been, so that we can have a really cool gathering time. And we want to have a good gathering time, but this is not the end-all, be-all. And some of us, we have become stagnant in our spiritual development of following, becoming mature like Christ because all we do is go to church. Man, you want to be a boring Christian? Just be a Christian who goes to church on Sunday. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Then be a part of the family. All right. And so uh, I mentioned week one that these are some things that I have just observed. I've been I've been a following following Jesus since I was nineteen. I've always taken it pretty serious, specifically uh, my sophomore year of college is kind of where I really, uh, where I would say Christ found me. And a lot of us maybe walked away from our faith in college, man, that's where I started mine, and I jumped in pretty hardcore from the get-go and been pretty faithful. And what I've said I'm going to remind us today is that I don't think this stuff, being a person who shares your life completely, a person who completely invests resources in a person who serves their church all the time, all the way, always and forever, is some crazy ask. I've been doing it since I was 19. There's nothing special about me, but somebody gave me a phrase this week that made me go, that's why. Somebody said something to me this week. We were doing our teaching run-through on Thursday morning, and I was given this message, and he said something to me that made me go, that's why I have done this, and it works perfectly with the Scripture that I had planned to share with you this morning, is the reason that some of us struggle with sharing our life, and you don't, some of you don't do it at all, right? Some of you, when it comes to investing, you give when you can sometimes. Some of you, when it comes to serving your church, uh, man, maybe you just started. You've signed up for Say Yes to Summer, But what I know about this church is very few of us live all the way up here. For example, I asked Clay to give me a head count. A third of the room is 40 people. Right now I know in this category of investing our lives that one-third of the people in this room right now, based on our current statistics, are what we would call tithers. Forty people. Now I'm not going to have 40 people stand up because it takes too much time, but it wouldn't be a whole lot of us. It would be one-third. And so there are people who said, yes, I'm a part of this church family, but when it comes to the finances of the family, they're not in. They're not in. And so you say, Matt, why do you have to talk about money at church? It's because we have people who say they're a part of the family, but they're not all in. That's why i got to talk about it. Do You think I like talking about money at church? <laughs> no. No. No, I don't. But I have to because it is, a, it is a part of maturing. That Man, I'm telling you, this, ah, come here, you. I was going for this. This right here is one of the last things that follows a follower of Jesus. This right here, these little dead presidents. Look, I have a $10 bill. My kids haven't seen this one yet. (laughs) Most of us struggle releasing your hard-earned money to a church. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, but it's not all we're going to talk about. I'm sure that will be gone by Tuesday. I want to bring you to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is in the middle of this just awesome sermon. And in this section, he's going to talk about money. Okay? But it applies to a lot of things. So let's just kind of jump in here and see what the Lord might say to us. Here's the fun thing. This is Jesus talking, right? The founder of our faith the one that we sing about in worship, here's what he says. He tells the church, he not only tells church people, he tells the crowd. So this is fun. Like Jesus said these things to his disciples and he also said this to people who weren't quite sure yet. And this is his invitation to, hey, do you want to move from being the crowd to being a family member? Do you want to be a part of what I'm doing? So today, here is the invitation. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Anybody ever had anything stolen? That you invested money in? Doesn't that just make you angry, right? Doug had his nice little stereo stolen a few weeks back. He's still, I'll come in here sometimes, he's still crying about it. All right, so thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. And so, before we even kind of begin to look at this even further, here is what I believe Jesus is going after, and here's what the pastor friend of mine said that made me say, wow, this is why I have done this. Because at 19 years old, Jesus became my treasure. And the reason that so many of us struggle sharing our life and investing our resources and serving our church, it's this maybe this hard observation that you like Jesus, you might even say you love Jesus, he's simply not your treasure. Because you can look at where you spend your time, and you can look at where you spend your money, and you can talk about where you spend your talents, and that is the area, those are the things that you treasure. You can say whatever you want, but the facts are our friends. And the facts give us a good assessment of who we are. And when I believe this, this whole passage that we're about to read is Jesus inviting people, inviting you and I to make him our treasure. For us to love him above every other thing. Let's see if what I just said is backed up in the scripture. So this first portion, Jesus starts off by saying, don't store up treasures here on earth. Let's talk about that word store up. It means accumulate. So it's not about buying things. It's about buying a lot of the same things. Some of you, some of us, sometimes me, we like to buy up a lot of the same things. We accumulate the same types of things over and over and over. Maybe your things are genes. Maybe your things are shoes. Maybe your things are bobbleheads, right? Maybe your things are guns, right? Maybe your things are monies. Right and whatever we decide to accumulate, and I'm not saying that's bad, but we have to be careful, right? That that what we store, what Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in, in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is like, how would I become your treasure? I put a question in there. This was for me as I was reading this and processing this in my own life this week. Man, what can you invest in that will last forever? What are some things that I can invest in that will last forever? People sharing of the gospel, seeing marriages restored, seeing families uh, reconciled, seeing people accept uh, Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I mean, uh, uh, last uh, week, Jen and I were sitting at Starbucks, and it was a Saturday, uh, was it a Friday? It was a Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon, and um, these four young girls come in, late middle school, early high school, somewhere in that age group. And they sat there, and I could easily eavesdrop hearing what they're talking about. And I told Jen afterwards, I said, man, it, it, was, it bummed me out the words they chose to say and the topics they were talking about. Like, these four young women were talking about things that they're not prepared to carry. They were talking about issues and situations that, honestly, they're too young, been there, done that, that they're too young to process and carry, and they're just having these conversations. And my thing was, to Jen, it's not their fault, Those children are a product of their environment. Why is that that important to us as a church? Because these four kids, they sit at my Starbucks in my neighborhood, which means their mommies and daddies are in my neighborhood. And as a pastor, forget being a pastor for a second, as a follower of Jesus, I care about the corner of the world in which I live in. And I'm telling you something, if God doesn't get a hold of those parents, If Jesus doesn't become the leader of those four girls, it's just going to be another statistic that we're going to sit around and shake our heads at. What we do as a ministry, not this right here. Good gravy. They're not in the room this morning. I would recognize them. They're not thinking about church. They don't care about church. They're thinking about other things. I promise you, I heard what they talk about. And if we don't find a way to engage The lost and dying and hurting people in our community. What's the point of this? So that we can feel better about ourselves and say, "Well, look at what man. If we don't share our lives and make our treasure things that will last forever and will not rust, and people can't steal." Man, Jesus says, "Man, once once I have someone, man, nobody can snatch them out of my hand. There ain't a thief, big and bad and scary enough to get them out of my hand." This week at Old Shawnee Days, we're not just making cheese fries. Man, we're representing the kingdom in a really cool and different way. Right? Jesus continues. Matthew 6, he says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the, think about this, and, the, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So he says, if, and if the light that you think you have, like if you think that your focus is on good things, But in the kingdom of God, it's actually something that's not good, how deep and dark that darkness will be. Now, if you just read that on its own, out of context, you would say, well, Jesus is, he's talking about money. He's talking about financial focus. I mean, we're going to, we're just in this same, like we have uh, verses and and all these breaks, and Jesus is just talking. Sermon on the Mount, he's just talking. And he goes from, hey, where's your treasure, to what do you put your financial focus on? I want to show you three pictures. Tell my personal story. How many dog lovers do we have in the room? Dog lovers? Okay, I'm probably going to offend you, but that's okay. Right? I'm not an anti-dog dude, but we learned recently that Millers aren't dog people. All right. So this is Buck. right? On the far left is Buck is a puppy. We, he was born November the 9th. We got him in December. Uh, this is Buck on the far right uh, about uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> that's with Randy, our elder. picture on the far left is Buck at my house on my carpet. The picture on the far right is Buck at his new home, Mr. Randy and Diana's home. I'm sorry. (laughs) Couldn't do it. My home is a place of peace. Yours may not be mine is. I like to go home and, like, I'm trying to train three little kids, nine-year-old girls and a seven-year-old son. I've got puppies in the house, right? And they understand English. That dog was stealing my joy. Oh, he's a cutie pie. I went over this weekend, and we had dinner with the Bartels, and I pet Buck. He's awesome. Now, here's the deal. I'm so ashamed of this. When we had Buck, without even realizing it until we gave him, blessed him, blessed Diana and Randy with him. Shh, don't tell him. Um, we spent from January to May two grand on that dog. Two grand on a dog that I don't like. Like, I'm not, I'm not, hey, you dog people, have a ball. Have a ball. Two grand. Now, so I'm hanging out with some friends at Outlaw Cigar, church pastor, planters. And I'm telling this story. They're all dying laughing. Uh, now, this is being funny. I said, I wonder how many churches I could have started in South America with $2,000. And one of them who works with them says, eight. <laughs> That's what I did. I could have started Eight churches in South America for the same money that I spent on Buck. But here's the problem. If we could have gone back to December before Buck was property of ours, and if my church planting friend who works in South America would have come to me and said, hey, for $2,000 you can build eight churches, planting churches, I would have said, dude, we don't have that kind of money. I know that's what I would have said. Because what happens in life is you get focused on all these little things, and you're just, you're swapping the card, you're paying money, you're taking care of dog shots. I mean, you're just doing it because that's what good Johnson County people do. And before you know it, you're spending money on all this stuff that just takes your focus. And so when I read this, I thought of my good dog, Buck. Who lives at a much better home now? Who is love? Look at that, right? We have no pictures of me and Buck. No, we do. I just want to show <laughs> Listen, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if that light you think is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is? Here's my question. What has your financial focus? Like, just don't say, oh, i got to plant churches that I can't take care of my animal. No, man, the Bible has several scriptures about how you take care of your, your things that God has entrusted to you or things that you have responsibility for. Feed your dog. Do all that. Whatever, right? I'm just saying that man, we have to pay attention because very few people in this room, if anybody, has so much resources that you can do both things. Very few of us have so much money that we don't have to pay attention to where our financial focus is. And it may not be your animal, it may be the next sporting thing. It may be the next movie, it may be the next toy, it may be the next phone. But there are these things that we get in front of our eyes, and it just becomes a thing that we have to have. And before you know it, we spend money on it, and we go, what did we do? Jesus says, what would it look like in your life if, if I was your treasure? What would it look like if your focus, and I'm not even saying New City Church, what if your focus was on the things of Jesus first. He continues on, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Like some of us in this room, we've got to figure this out. Because money has such a mind hold on you that the idea of being generous, like some of you are bothered the fact that I'm talking about money on Sunday morning. Let me kind of give the disclaimer. Several of you have heard me say this, and man, I mean it, right? If the reason you're not being generous, the reason you're not choosing to give your resources to a church is because you don't trust a pastor, whether it's me or some other other guy or some other girl, that's fine you decide who you're going to give your resources to. Pick a family member, pick a person that you work with, pick an organization that you trust and believe in, but don't continue to hold on to it and say, no, that's mine because you don't trust somebody. i got to take that excuse from you. Now, as a part of this family, I want you to be able to trust New City with how you share your life and how you serve your church, but also with this one right here. I mean, it's just a part of being a part of the family. So I wanted to kind of give you maybe why that's important. And so these are my these are my four reasons on why I think it's important for you to be a whole life type of investor when it comes to your resources, okay? And you can argue with me on this. That's fine. I'd love to have the conversation. I've had it a lots of times. But here's my four reasons on why you should invest. If not here, somewhere, okay? Number one, the Bible clearly teaches God's people to give a portion of their income as a gift back to God that's a key word back to God like the everything that you have is a gift from God everything God owns it all and so we as worshipers as people as children of God we have the opportunity to worship him as we give back right and notice I didn't tell you how much I said you give a portion back but let's look at number two if you're like well how much do I give I've heard of the tithe. Well, this is why you've heard of the tithe. Within the Bible, you will find only two percentages. You can, you can do your own study. This is what you'll find, two percentages. You will find 10% and 100%. Give within these two percentage points. So the person who comes to me and says, well, I don't believe in the tithe. Jesus didn't teach about the tithe. I'm like, you're right. He taught that you should give everything. So what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? I mean, we'll take everything. We'll use it. Man, we'll plant some churches. We'll, we'll, we'll do some stuff in the neighborhood, right? That 10% starts to sound a lot better then. But there really are. There's two percentage points, 10% and 100%. Give somewhere in that. Well, I want to give 8.5. That's fine, but I don't find 8.5 in the Bible. Well, I want to give 5. You can, but I don't find that in Scripture. And I think that, like, well, I want to create what's best for me. Have a ball. Have a ball. I'm not giving you... Tathing wedgies. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> I, I like I don't walk around going, How much you make a year with this? What you need to give. I'm not doing that. We're adults, right? But it's this principle, man, that God is clear in Scripture that God asks us to invest back into what he's given us. And we see two points, 10% and 100%. Give within those two. Number three, when you give between 10% or 100%, guess what is happening in your finances? Jesus is your treasure. Think about it like this. When you think about sharing your life, how do you really know if you've shared enough? Like, how do you know? Like, it's so, like, subjective. Like, last Thursday, I was sitting at Starbucks. I spent a lot of time at Starbucks. I was sitting at Starbucks writing this message, trying to anyway. I didn't get any of it done. Every time I began to work, somebody said, man, I'm sorry that you're busy, uh, but can I sit down and talk to you? (laughs) Okay. And they would get up. I don't know, can you? Boom, 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 boom. Five great conversations, zero work done for Matt Miller. So I could say, well, I shared my life a lot on Thursday, so I guess I'm good for the next six days. (laughs) No. Right? Isn't that hard to gauge? Like, how much is too much? Well, I'm inviting people to come eat dinner with us tonight at Rhythm and Booze, so I guess I'm off the hook the rest of the time. No. Right? It's hard to manage. What about serve your church? Well, how do you know if you serve enough? How do you know if you serve too much or too little? It's so subjective, right? Right? Like, well, I, so I did this three things, and then, so now I can skip. I mean, how? You just kind of do it, right? But this, dude, you can touch this. This, you can see what you gave. Like, this, you know, if you gave 10%, 20%, you you know. You give 0%. So you just wait to pay the lot bill. So we we, we know, right? Like, we know. I'm so fat, quick-witted, right? So, but this right here, you can touch. This right here, you can feel. And you can see, here's the deal. Everybody in this room, you're investing in a kingdom. You know that, right? There's no one in this room who is investing in no kingdom. You're either investing in the kingdom that you seem proper and what you want to do, or you're investing your resources in God's kingdom. Here's something fun to figure out, is how do you build your kingdom within God's kingdom? What do you mean? Well, like we do baseball right now with Luke. It takes a lot of my time. Share my life a lot at the baseball field. And my challenge is, do I want to sit in my chair and not talk to any of the parents? Or am I willing to take my kingdom and put it in God's kingdom? And while I'm playing baseball, that I can share my life with my neighbors that don't attend New City Church. I'm not sure what they believe. But am I willing to be a good parent on Luke's team in the context of the other moms and dads on that team? Or am I going to stay in isolation and say, you do your thing and I'm going to do mine? No, I choose to share my life on the baseball field. Some days better than others, to be honest with you. Shawnee days, right? Perfect example. Will you come share your life with us out there in your city? Or you'll be like, well, you know, I don't really want to. I mean, it's just also always putting our kingdom in the context of God's kingdom. And number four, this is why, this is why it's so important to me that we, that we invest. When you give like this, you are fully responsible for every way God uses this church. This is huge. Edgerton has baptized 100 people in the last three years. If you're a part of this church family, that's your fault. Good thing. Several people in this room have been baptized through the ministry of New City Church. If this is who you are, guess what? That's your fault. Good job. God has given us four locations in the last six years. The gospel is being spread in all kinds of different contexts. Churches are being uh, inspired by the things that we do. And when you're a part of this, guess what? It's your fault. You're a part of it. The reason that we're able to do all these things is not because somebody won the lottery and said, hey, here, Matt, go do it all. The reason that we're able to do it is because, man, of you and your generosity and how you share your life and how you serve your church. That's how. And that's why, like, I'm like, why would people not want to be a part of this family? Look at what God's doing. What other organization are you a part of that's seeing lives clearly transformed through the power of the gospel? We're seeing people baptized and seeing people's marriages restored, seeing people healed like, I see Sarah sitting right here, and she was not going to stand up because I will embarrass her. But, like, God restored her voice. She hasn't been able to speak in two years. And people have been praying for her, and three weeks ago, she got her voice back. Her husband hasn't been able to talk on the phone with her for over two years. And for him to be able to talk on the phone with her while he's at work or she's at work, it's, it's fantastic. Amen. Like, you get to be a part of those things. Like, we're celebrating right now the fact that Carrie Alejandre, who used to be one of our preschool, who had, a, had to have a heart bypass, and, and yesterday morning uh, she was able to get a heart transplant. There was a, an organ donor who had the perfect heart, and, and Carrie had that heart Like, man, we get to be a part of that prayer and to celebrate the fact that Carrie has got one more day on this planet because of an answered prayer. That's fun, right? We get to be a part of it when you're a part of this family. If you just go to that church, you don't get to celebrate it. It doesn't mean the same. Like this week, if you're a part of this, guess what? You are the primary sponsor for Old Shawnee Days. You are the primary sponsor. You're the ones doing that. You're the ones impacting our community in such a fun, fun way. Why is all that important? Well, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Jesus ends his sermon this way. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. All those other things that we put our eyes on that become our treasure, if we begin to dissect it, Worry, doubt, fear is somewhere in it. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? What's the answer? No. No. If it did, I'd have hair, right? (laughs) And what about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Like what is your hang-up, Jesus would say, on trusting him with these areas of your life? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Therefore, you ready for this? Seek first the kingdom of God. Above everything else and live righteously, live in right standing. And he will give you everything you need. You know what Jesus asked? Would you make him your treasure? I'm telling you. Gosh, I wish there was a way for us to show what this church would look like, even more so, if everyone who said, This is where I go, this is my family if we sought the kingdom the way that Jesus is calling us to, if Jesus actually became your treasure. How your life would change, how your decisions would change, how your words would change, how your thought process would change, when Jesus becomes your treasure. And like, here's the deal. Some of you need to hear this. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm about done. Here's Here's what some of you need to hear. Some of you have had people in your life lower the gospel bar and say that Jesus is just happy if you show up. That's a lie. Jesus takes the bar and he raises it really high. And he says, listen, I want to be first place in your life. I'm not happy with second. Third don't work. I love that little statement, right? That we see the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. He doesn't want to be the co-pilot. He wants to fly the plane. He has zero desire. He is the living, crucified, resurrected Jesus. He is the only man I know who resurrected from the grave 500 people saw it. People lost their lives continuing to this day in persecution for this gospel of a living, dead, and living again Jesus. And somehow we want to say, well, I showed up on Sunday. Ain't that good enough? No, man, he invites you into this real relationship where he becomes the priority of your life. And if that's going right over your head right now, man, you've got to dig down deep because this is the call of the gospel. And what the world doesn't need is some pansy boring Christian who goes to church on Sunday. Jesus doesn't call you into that. Who wants that nonsense? I ain't that good. But what he invites you into is a daily relationship where you can begin to see that he is working all around you at all times and always. And when he shows you that, it's an invitation for you to engage with him. And some of you got to get over the fact that Pastor Matt asked you to tithe. It ain't about that. Jesus says, I want to be the apple of your eye. I want to be the primary thing that you think about. I want to be your number, number one. And if you go, yeah, but, Jesus says, here's the deal. You want some hard truth? You deny me in front of men, I will deny you in front of the Father. That's hard truth. Jesus says that. You won't won't stand for me on planet Earth. I won't stand for you in the Father in heaven. Like, he wants to own you. Man, since I was 19, here's the deal. And I'm going to make this statement, and some of you might... You can bash me on Twitter or whatever you do. I don't read it anyway. At some point as a follower of Jesus, you've got to say, do I want that person's life? And I, I will put myself on the stand. As a guy who tries as much as I can to be sold out to the things of Jesus, do you want my life? Do you, is there parts of me that you're like, well, man, look what Jesus did for me. I don't want that crazy nonsense. I'm going to tell you something. Man, I love life. I love life. I don't have a lake house. That'd be cool. I do have a cool Jeep. Thank you, Lord. Right? Got a great family. We got our problems. We fight just like you fight. My kids don't listen just like your kids don't listen. Right? But, man, I love my life, and I wouldn't trade it. And here's why. Because Jesus is my leader. And this message was good for me because I got to remind him that he is my treasure. Because when I make other things my treasure, whether it be church growth, whether it be church planning, whether it be Oshani days or anything else, guess what? I begin to focus in on that thing, and I take my eyes off the one who called me to the thing that he is pressing me on to. That's what you're invited to be a part of at this church. You're welcome to join. You're welcome to be a part of this family. But we ain't playing church. Is that cool? And stop. I'm done. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to uh, be generous back to God. Father, thank you for today. Father, not everybody hears my words with my motivation behind it. I ask that your Holy Spirit would soften the edges on the things that I might have said too hard. Father, I thank you for all of those in this room, and I, I do ask the people who are part of this church family to listen to this next statement. I thank you for those who are all in at New City Church, and I didn't give this message today because I need more. I want them to know that they are so think- thankful. I'm so thankful for them and appreciate them. They are loved. God, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, lead us as individual as we go about our day. Help us, help us take steps, fast steps, big mother may I steps, that you would become the treasure in our life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.